0: Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. You can grab a seat. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jacob Smith, and I'm the teaching pastor here for our uh, Anderson College Ministry. And if this is your first time here, man, I, I just want to let you know that we are so grateful that, that you've joined us. We're so excited. Uh, I hope that you've had to turn away like six people all trying to greet you and tell you the same thing, uh, trying to talk to you and ask you about your week, because, because man, our, our goal is to create an environment and a, a place where you feel welcomed, where you feel loved, because ultimately, that, that's not something that we just want to do. Ultimately, that's something, uh, that's a heartbeat, and that's a passion and that's a desire that our God has. God, God wants us to be a people who are displaying His attributes, right? His characteristics. That's why this last week uh, and this week and the next week we're taking these three weeks in, in, in studying how can we as believers be a people who are different. How can we be a people who really approach the world, our workplaces, our relationships, our communities, how can we approach them in a different sort of way? Because if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, your life is no longer your own. You've now been adopted into a new family that carries with it incredible promises and an inspirational purpose. You've been given an opportunity to step into this world, not as someone who belongs to it, but as someone who has been intentionally and purposefully placed within it on mission, to, to, to direct people with your words and with your work and with your, your, your ideas and your relationship. You have an opportunity in every moment, in every context, to direct people towards Jesus Christ. But that's why we're here. We want to be people who are different enough with our influence, who are intentional enough with that influence to show people how Jesus has has a better way, that he is the life and the truth and the way, that that he is the, the ultimate hope of salvation. And so this morning, we're going to continue to ask. Last week, we asked, I mean, how, do, how does that play out in our work? How do we work in such a way that's different, that, that directs people towards Christ? And this morning, we're going to look at our words. We're looking at how can we be a people who speak in such a way that, that, that point people to Jesus Christ in every conversation? Because that's, that's what we've been given. We've been given an opportunity in every single conversation to stand out, to be different, to make a difference. A lot like these kids here. Wow, gold shoes. My dad has a gold shoe. My dad has diabetes. Be <laughs> <laughs> a good part machine. Today. You be, you be a good fart machine today. Somebody be go, a good part Go to work and be a good part machine at work. Uh, that's what I do all day. It's my Okay, job. I'll be a good part machine. All right, man. Yeah, okay. A what? I just, I just say I love my dad. I love I my dad. I love my dad. Daddy. daddy. Do you want a brother? Do you want a sister? No. What do you want? Poodles. <laughs> You know, it's easy to see ourselves reflected in these children. Uh, we want those pizza rolls. Some of us, we love our dads, and we all hate this, right? Like, that's, that's the worst. Uh, we know that there, we've been given the power of speech and words. I mean, we are given it at a very young age. We start talking, like, at a couple years old, man, you start to put words together and sentences together. And, and yet, what we find is that even with years of practice, even though we know technically how to speak, we often feel like we don't really know how to speak. Many times we use the power of speech, we use the power of our words in ways that maybe we don't always think is best, right? Ways that maybe we look back on and we have regrets about. Because, man, our, our words are powerful. We can use our words to express just the deepest feelings of our heart. Right? There's some of us that are currently in that moment, in that tension of struggle, we're like, yeah, I've been dating this person for a while and I kind of want to tell them that I love then, right? And we're like, how do I do it? When do I do it? Do I need to like play a song? And like, what? what? Maybe they're sitting right next to me, and I need to like not nudge them because, oh no! Like, that's that's something that is, is important for us, right? It's important to have those words. Why? Because they carry with them in such incredible power and weight. We have the ability through our words to exchange beautiful life, world-changing ideas, right? We can create things and, and share those things. And, and we talked about that last week, how we're made to be creative and we're made to, to cultivate. And, and the reality is that though those new world-changing products, they start with words. They start with pitches. You got to pitch it to like Shark Tank or like whatever to, to other people. You got to tell them about your ideas before it can be implemented. We have to use our words to, to create, uh, to build people up and affirm them and, and give them support that can honestly last them a lifetime. Many of us still, we cling to some affirmation that we received from a, from a teacher or a coach or a parent or a friend. I remember even when I was first called into ministry, when I was looking at this significant shift in my trajectory, man, there, are, there are words, small little words that people share to me that stick with me, that continue to, to, to motivate me, that continue to, to shape the way that I see myself and my place in God's world. But tragically, we also know that the power of those words to build and and to create can just as easily be used to destroy, to dismantle, to tear people apart. You can lob out a, a phrase, you can lob out some words, a description that just cuts to someone's core and sticks with them for the rest of their life. Some of us remember those things that we were told in middle school or high school or two months ago. And it can stick with you. We, we, we use our words to, to create not just beautiful unifying product and, and ideas and things, but we create division with our words, right? Because a lot of times our words can reveal not just the, the deepest feelings of our heart, but they reveal the darkest corners of our souls. And they reveal the, the sin and the brokenness that's within us. Our, 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 our pride and our contempt and our prejudice. Those things come out through our words. And so when we look at the ability to speak, we need to recognize that, man, there's a high responsibility that comes with that, right? There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that power, the power of our speech. The, the way that we speak, the words that we use, it's one of the greatest, most significant impacts we'll ever make in this world. So how are we speaking? Again, how intentional are we being with that influence? How, how intentional are we being with the words that we speak, the way that we speak, how and when and where and why? We speak to the people around us. See, our scripture speaks into lots of different issues, but man, one of the biggest ones, one of the things that God gives so much time to in his revealed word is our words, how we speak. He wants us to use our speech in a way that is different from the world around us. That's why this morning we're looking at this idea in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, he, he walks through, essentially, it's one of many passages that talk about how do we talk. And, and when he goes through it, what we'll find is that God has designed us to be a people who, as his children, as his adopted sons and daughters who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to speak in such a way that directs people away from destruction, away from the, the dangers of this world, and instead points them to the true life and delight that we can find in Jesus Christ. We can do that with our words. God wants us to use the power of our speech to create beautiful, life-changing impact in the world around us. But to do that, we need to pay attention, first and foremost, to His Word. Right? So James chapter 3 starts off, uh, in the first verse, if you, if you have a Bible, you go there in the app, whatever. But um, he's going to start off talking about how our words have the power to create a direction for our lives and the lives of other people, right? That our words can create a new direction, a different direction in the lives of people around us. He puts it this way. He says, not many of you should become teachers, uh, my brothers and sisters, because you know uh, that teachers are going to be judged more strictly. He says, you need to recognize that before you rush up onto a stage, you've got to check yourself and, rec- and see that ultimately your words carry a lot of weight. I've talked with so many students, men and women, who think, you know what? I'm ready to lead people. Or I'm ready to teach people. Why? Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of smart or I'm kind of funny or I've got this ambition. Therefore, I guess I should just go put myself in this position of authority. And, and that's simply not a biblical principle. God doesn't say like, hey, if you've got a little, if you're kind of funny or you're kind of smart or if you're kind of ambitious, yeah, like, just go like, put yourself in front of people and like, start telling them where to go. He says, don't do that says, so actually, you need to slow down. You need to be cautious before you begin to exercise this authority, before you begin to put yourself in that higher position on that stage or in, in that organization or in that boardroom or wherever. says, so you need to be really cautious because the words that you share, man, they can change people's direction. And that's a high burden, right? A lot of us have had our lives drastically changed. The trajectories of our life incredibly shifted, because of the words of other people, right? Just a few little words can just completely change. I was just talking with a friend of mine who he uh, his like, whole marriage timeline was radically shifted. He and his girlfriend thought they kind of had a plan. They kind of knew like, okay, we'll go through this thing. We'll date this long. We'll be engaged this long, da, da, da. But they've had kind of this random conversation. She had this random conversation with a coworker who was just like, hey. She like, knew their relationship, was talking to her about It was like, why wait? They're like, yeah. Why would we wait? And sure enough, they like moved everything up a lot. They're like, yeah, this is good. And hey, there are definitely reasons to wait. Like, don't take. This isn't just like a blanket. Like, go for it. Like this. (laughs) This is like still exercise wisdom. And they they talked to like parents, and they talked with friends, and they talked with you know wise people that could speak into the process. Uh, But in doing so, they kind of went through the. They kind of ran those traps. They kind of went through those processes, and they're like, yeah, like we could move this whole thing up. We kind of know where we're going, what we're about. That's awesome. And that was honestly begun by those two little words. Just, why wait? We've had our lives drastically changed by just a little word that changes the direction of our lives. We were like, yeah, hullabaloo, connect, connect. (laughs) Maybe I should fight Aggie or uh, as a farmer. I don't want to. Like, then we... (laughs) We realize, yeah, you know what? Someone brought that up. They're like, yeah, why not business or why not marketing or why not education or whatever? Like suddenly we find ourselves, if we really look back, we realize, yeah, you know what? There are a few little words that came from that teacher or that parent or that friend or whatever that completely changed the direction of my life. And so James is saying, man, you've got to be really careful with the authority that you exercise. You've got to be careful with those words that you launch out there. Because you can change someone's direction. And it's not always going to be for the better. Right? He says that every single one of us, right, we all stumble in many ways. He says if someone does not stumble in what they say, well, that is a perfect individual. Able to control the entire body. Right? He's saying this person doesn't actually exist. It's like if someone could speak perfectly all the time, never say something that they regret, then that person is officially perfect. Right? Because that's the hardest thing to do. The hardest thing in the world to control is your tongue. He says, if you can actually master that, then that shows that you have literally a perfect handle on every part of you, every every single aspect of who you are. So recognize it. Man, before you move into these moments, step into these positions, stand up on a stage, slow down. Because you need to recognize that, man, this isn't about me. Right? And in a spiritual context, I have to recognize, yeah, this isn't, these aren't my words. You aren't my people. This isn't my ministry. God has entrusted this moment to my care. And I don't know if that next moment, what moment's going to follow. I, I don't know if this is going to happen again. Ravi Zacharias is a wonderfully gifted apologist and thinker and speaker in our current culture. and He came to Breakaway a few years ago, and man, something he said stuck with me for for years. He got up, and just in his prayer before his message, he's, he was praying, he said, God, so thank you for this, just one more opportunity to share your word. You know, I honestly can't tell you anything about his message, but those little words that he shared in his prayer revealed to me his heart. Where he's saying, yeah, God, I know that this is just one more chance to share your gospel. I know this is just one, I, I don't know if the next one, not, no day is guaranteed, right? No moment is, is truly under my control. And that's something that I now pray. Every single time I get up on a stage right before I, I pray, I say, God, thank you for just one more shot. Because this could be it. God says, you've got to recognize the weight of the responsibility of speaking into the lives of other people. What a beautiful opportunity it is, right? It's it's an intimidating, it's a high calling, but man, it's a good one. It's a good one to to step into people's lives and to share with them the words of the Lord. I mean, there's some of us, I I mentioned this last week, but there's some of us that that we're feeling a call into even vocational ministry, saying, yeah, I think I want to do that full time. And you need to read James 3. And if you're still okay, if you're not scared off, then I would encourage you, come to lunch. Next week, we're going to have a lunch right here uh, where we're going to talk about, after the, after the 11, we're going to just talk about what would it look like to maybe come and work with us on staff, be college ministry, youth ministry, worship, whatever. But if you've ever thought, man, maybe seminary is a path for me, or maybe vocational ministry is a path for me, I man, we would love to talk more about what that would look like, an opportunity that God's put right just right here on your doorstep. You're not signing anything, you're not like taking, making a blood pact, but you just, you just come and just hear about, about what it is, what it could look like to receive seminary training, to receive ministry experience here in this context for a couple years. Love to talk with to you about that. Um, but, but for a lot of us, I mean, we, we see, for all of us, we see in, in any context, ministry or not, there is a high responsibility, there's a high calling on our lives to be people who provide the proper direction. For ourselves and others, and James puts it this way: He says, "If we put bits into the mouths of horses, we get them to obey us, and then we guide their entire bodies." Right? He's getting at this principle that you know your entire life, all that you are, can actually be controlled by this very small thing. It's this principle of the little leading the large. That's what he's going to lay out. Is he's illustrating with a horse? How many of us have ridden? We've actually like sat on a horse. We've held reins. We've ridden a horse, like with our. Are you serious? That is so many more than I expected. Way to go, Ags! Uh, you are living up to it. That's a lot of you. Okay, but um, I haven't. All right, so I'm just I'm speaking in what I've read, but uh, you you know it in practice. That when you get on a horse, right? Horses are like I don't know, this tall, and they weigh you know six thousand pounds, and so you get on that horse, uh, and it's a big, intimidating creature, right? Like you're on this like monster truck of a animal, and so you are in needing to direct that horse directing that animal you have this like reins right you've got this like strap of leather or whatever it goes into their mouth you've got like some feet use your feet a little bit i think you like kick them with your spurs like get on there you know and and that's i don't know something again i've never done it uh but you, a lot of it rides on the fact that you have this bit in the horse's mouth, right? That there's this little piece of metal that goes in there. It's like over their tongue or under their tongue, I don't know, somewhere in their mouth. And what it does is it kind of jabs them and it kind of moves around. It, it helps direct them and lead them. And so you're like, yeah, no, don't go that way. That's a cliff. Like, let's go to the doggies, get the posse. I don't know. All right, whatever. But you, you lead them. Through that little thing, it's that little leading the large. And James says it's true of horses, it's true of ships. He says, look at a ship. They're so big, right? They're driven by winds, right? You think of these giant, massive sailing vessels, and they've got these big sails and big gusts of wind it along, and these waves crash. Just, you know what? They're actually steered by a tiny rudder, wherever the pilot's inclination directs. Says so you take this big massive thing that's yeah it's, it's it's propelled by the wind and the waves and all these things but ultimately where it goes is completely determined by that one guy with that one little rudder. It's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. He's like he's like ha ha he just he knows where it goes. He's got a little wheel and that little little piece on the back leads the large. James says that's how it is with our tongues. That's how it is with our words. It seems like such a little thing, and yet our tongue provides direction not only for other people's lives, but for our own. And we've seen this, right? Our words, the words that we speak, can land us a date or they can crash a relationship. The the words that we use can seal a job interview or they can lose us a position. The words that we use open and close doors in every opportunity and, and, and context of life. And so we need to be really cautious. How do we speak? Because those words provide incredible direction for others' lives and our own. And the reality is that, and we touched on this already, that, that there's destruction that we can find. There's destruction that we can experience, destruction that we can create through those words. Just as it builds, just as it could direct us towards life and joy and contentment and peace and hope and satisfaction, those words can steer us in the wrong direction. And it can lead us into places that we never wanted to be. James says that our tongue is a small part of the body, yet it has these great pretensions, right? Think of how a small flame sets a huge forest ablaze. The tongue is a fire. He doesn't just say the tongue uh, has the ability, the potential to start a fire. He says the tongue is a fire. It's an open flame in your mouth. It says, the words that you have, man, they can bring such incredible destruction to the world around you. We see this. We've seen this. We've done this. We've experienced this. where Our words hold this incredible power, not just to build up, but to destroy. We've seen it in our lives. We've seen it in others' lives. We see it in media. We see it in the world. We see it in moments like this. You know we yeah, at, it's prime time rapping. Let's go ahead and get into it. We got our challenger over here. Yep, yep. T-Bone 225, burn my nap. <laughs> 225, two, is that Eric? Put that on map quick. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our main man, the champion himself. No need for introduction. <laughs> I wanna up super hot, he goes first. What is this? Oh, oh, I Check oh, me out. I'm checking. Hit it. Mm. I broke up with my ex-girl. Here's a number. What's that mm. Psych, that's the wrong number. <laughs> oh! Oh! Destruction, right? burns it down. We have seen in our lives, man, you can maybe get 10 compliments in a row, but you get one criticism at the end of that and that's what sticks with you, right? You can hear all these affirming words over and over again, day after day after day, but man, it's that one cut right there in the middle that actually stays with you. I I still remember these little words, right? We all still remember these little words that, that cut us to our core. That that really stick with us for a long time. That, that 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 carry forward. It's a fire that's hard to put out. It's a fire that uh, James says that you know it, it, this tongue it represents the world of wrongdoing. Right, all of the wrongdoing that humanity experiences can be traced through the words that we speak, and that sets fire to the course of human existence. It's set on fire by hell. He uses incredibly strong language to say, "Yeah, you know what? This tongue, this, these words that you have, it's a fire that is essentially can be motivated and, and brought about from from the depths of hell. I mean, the worst that we could ever offer, the world of wrongdoing, can be found in the words that we share." It says we can tame. Any beast, right? Every, every animal, bird, reptile, every sea creature, it's, it can be subdued and it has been subdued by humankind. But no human being has perfectly controlled, has subdued the tongue. It is a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. He says there is this incredible ability of words to, again, just stick with you for all of time. We've got those little words that cut us deep that we still remember from those years past. Or those words that we desperately wanted to hear that simply went unspoken when we needed them most. The affirmation that we desperately wanted from that teacher or that coach or that parent, that mom or that dad who never quite told us that they loved us or were proud of us. And those words carry so much power, so much lasting influence. It's like a poison. James is getting at this fact that, I mean, there, there are certain poisons in this world. I, I had a friend that was got poisoned by arsenic. He had arsenic poisoning. And man, it took him out for a year. He was bedridden for a year dealing with arsenic poisoning. Because there are some poisons in this world that just get into your body, and it's a lifetime struggle to get it back out. And once you get that, that lead poison, you get that... You, Put something like heroin into your system, and Trying to get that out is a struggle. It's doable, but man, it's a struggle. And our words have that exact same power. And we try to prepare ourselves against this, right? We say things like, oh, well, you know, sticks and stones, they break bones. But words, they never hurt me, right? And it's simply not true. Sticks and stones can break bones. That is true. But... Words, they can hurt. They can leave lasting impact, negative impact. James would say, sticks and stones break bones. Yeah, but words can burn this whole thing to the ground. Put on your coat. Uh, But like that's... That's something that we need to recognize that our words really do hold this incredible power to direct this incredible power to create destruction this, this untamable this this beast that's hard to even like get control of James says you know it, it's it's like these monsters that you find in the jungle. like you don't know, think of a giant elephant or a, a, think of how terrifying like a bear was if you'd like never seen pictures you know you don't have like a phone or a computer or anything like that and you just like you walk up and there's like a bear like what that'd be terrifying. And yet now, we, we actually contain those things, right? He so says, we can actually put those things to work. You can take a bear. You go to, like, the circus. I mean, people don't really like the circus anymore because it's, like, cruel. But, you know, like, you could look up. You go to a circus, and there's, like, a bear, and he's, just like, got a hat on. He's, like, oh, huh? you know, and you're, like, ah, bear. You know, like, he's not scary, right? We make killer whales, like, jump through hoops. We're, like, ha, ha take that, right? Then we can put these incredible, like, dangerous animals We've subdued them. But James says, man, it's, it's hard to do that with your tongue. It's even harder to do that with your tongue. With the words that you say, the, with the speech that you deliver. In fact, when we look in Scripture, some of the guiding principles, one of the best pieces of, of advice is in our wit- wisdom literature. The book of Proverbs talks about how we speak. I love this. One of the biggest pieces of advice says that when words abound, transgression is inevitable, but the one who restrains his words is wise. Catch that? In other words, one of the best ways to just speak better is to speak less. He's just like, just, just, uh, um, just sh- 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 shut it down. Like, that's what he says. He says, you really want to do a better job of speaking? And this is all throughout our wisdom literature. i will say, you know who's really wise? The guy who doesn't talk a lot. Some of the best advice that I ever received in life was, I think I read it in a book. It was just talking about this biblical principle saying that, you know what? You want your words to count? Make fewer words. Supply and demand, dude. That's just, that's how it works. Every economist is like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) You put fewer words out there, they're worth more. People are more quick to listen to someone who speaks less often. There's wisdom in silence, in thinking, in really being cautious before you lob out that opinion. You want to speak better, speak less. Because ultimately what we're doing is we're trying to tame a beast. And we can, right? That's what's beautiful. So because of what Christ has done, we have an opportunity to tame that beast. And when you tame a beast, what you do is you take a danger and you turn it into an asset. Right? Now, now accountants are like, yeah, asset. Like well, we can take that, danger, and you can turn it into an asset, into a benefit. Right? That, that big old, like, bull, like, horns, it's, like, scary, and it runs around, and that could, like, stomp your face. We, we take those things, and we say, plow my field. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and they just do it. And we're like, yeah, I'm going to plant, I'm not even going to plant anything. I just want you to plow. It's dumb ox. Like, that's what we do. You take something that's dangerous, and you actually make it into something that's useful. And we have that opportunity with our words. We have an opportunity, what we'll see as James lands in chapter 3, to basically be motivated by speaking out of a different inspiration. Because ultimately that's that's the key, that's the secret. If we want to speak better, it's not just speaking less, it's also speaking out of a different, better inspiration. Because, man, we can all think of times when we spoke or typed something that we later regret, maybe immediately regretted. But we don't just have to sit in that failure. Now, as believers, we have an opportunity to seek forgiveness of that person. Because that's what we're commanded in Scripture. It says, hey, before you come before the Lord, go to the people that you've wronged and, and ask them to forgive you. Make that right. Jesus says, you need to be forgiving people as you've been forgiven. You need to seek forgiveness from each other, just as you seek it from the Lord. We've all found ourselves, uh, you know, choosing to speak negatively because that's how we feel. But, but when was the last time that you chose to speak positively, even though you felt negatively? When did you choose to actually focus, not, not fake it, but to really focus on the positive, on the strengths of that roommate, instead of latching onto their weakness and the things that they do that frustrate you? How could you celebrate The beautiful things that God has designed them to be rather than highlight and point other people towards the failure in their life. How many times do we find ourselves focusing on that speck in the other eye, as Jesus would say, rather than the plank in our own? We use our words in these negative ways, but we have an opportunity to use them differently. James says it like this. He says, when we bless the Lord and Father, we also, with those same words, we curse the people God made, or people made in God's image, right? He says, so there is potential for good, right? Up to this point, he's just talking about negative, 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 bad, 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 bad. He says, but you know what? We can also praise the Lord. He says, now, as we do that, remember, it's not just like a one-time switch. It's not like, oh, now my words are good, you know, for the rest of my life. He says, no, you need to be mindful, always on guard, that the words that you use to praise the Father can also be used to curse the people that he's made. He says, and that is not a good direction to go, right? He specifically, intentionally talks about how these are people made in God's image. Because he's drawing us back to that that thing that we talked about last week, that that humankind has been made in the image of God. We've been given an inherent worth and value and dignity. Every member of humanity has that within them. And so when we are singing praises to God, we need to be mindful that 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 singing of praise, man, that, that means nothing if we're speaking poorly about the people that he made, that he loves we have a God who created all of existence, including the people within it. I mean, there's no quicker way to grieve our Father in heaven than to just tear apart his children. And I see this more clearly than ever because I'm a dad. And I have two kids, one on the way. I have a daughter, Charlotte, son, Lawrence, seen here on Halloween, just looking as cute as can be. And I'll tell you, there is no quicker way to bring joy and blessing into my life than to encourage my kids. If you love my kids, I will love you forever. I don't care, no matter what you do. Unconditional love, because you love my kids. And that's what parents do. I mean, it's not even something that I, it's not, that's not the decision that I've made. I wasn't like, you know what? I'm gonna make it. They have to like my kids before I like them. Like, that's not a thing. That's not like some standard I set up. It's just how I'm wired. That's why, like, you see, like, parents, if you ever go to, like, children's ministry or something like that, at elementary school, man, you, you maybe even you remember still, like, some of those teachers that you had. And not only do you remember them fondly, but your parents do even more so. People walk down the children's ministry hallways, and they're just, like, you, they're just blessing the, the students that serve their kids. Because, man, when you love my kids, gosh, there's no quicker way into my heart. Because I'm hardwired to to love and appreciate the people that love my kids. But in the same way, man, there's no quicker way to bring grief into my life than by mistreating my kids. By mocking them. Or looking down on them. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. He says, don't come to me. Don't come bring your off. Don't, don't put your offering on that altar. It says, if you have contempt, if you have contention, if you have, if you have dis, like, destructive division between you and other people, it says, I want you to get along. How many car trips were like threatened to end with your family because you were fighting each other in the back seat? Your dad said, I will pull over. Right? Like, Why? Because they don't want to see that contention. Family is forever. Like, that's what my parents were. They would say, like, you're going to be family forever. Get along. Like, they wanted us to get along. Why? Because that's important to them. Even more so than, than the way that, that I treat other people. My parents want me to treat my siblings well. Why? Because, again, they're, just, they're hardwired that they want to see that unity. God wants to see us united in, in love for one another. He says, speak well of one another. Be united in love. And that speaks to his father's heart. But man, we can't do that if we're not drawing from the proper source. You see, what James says is that a spring does not pour out fresh water and bitter water from the same opening. He right? says, if you've got a spring and there's water just like bubbling up from the ground, it says it's either going to be sweet or it's going to be bitter. It's either going to be clean or it's going to be dirty. It says the one or the other. It says it doesn't change, you know, day to day. There's not like knobs that you can flip and change. It's like it's one or the other. He says uh, a fig tree can't produce olives, right? A vine's not going to produce figs. Neither can a saltwater spring produce fresh water. He says if you want a fig, you got to go to a fig tree. You don't go to like a, a grapevine. If you want an apple, you got to go to an apple tree. That, that's how it's designed to function. It will naturally produce what it's meant to produce. And so he says, "For if, you, or if you're wanting to speak in a certain way, if you're wanting to engage with people in a different, better way, he says, then you've got to make sure that your roots are in the right place. You've got to be a, the right tree. You've got to be the right spring. You've got to be drawing from the proper source. Because ultimately, our words are simply an expression of the state of our heart. That, that, that's who we are. The, the way that we speak reveals where our heart truly is. And sometimes, right, we we like to say like, oh, sorry, like I, I said that thing and I didn't really mean it. I said things I didn't mean. And I mean, maybe, kind of, but the reality is that what's probably happening is less of you just spoke out of nowhere and it's probably more of now you recognize that the motivation for that speech was wrong. You now realize that your source was off. And so when we look at our lives, when we look at the way that we speak, we need to be ultimately examining where am I putting down my roots? Where am I anchored? What's my source? Because when we see people drawing from the right source, I mean, the words that follow, it, it can be beautiful. Before you open up the dirty window of the sun and the words that you can and reach it for something in the distance So close you can almost taste it Release your inhibition. Feel the of God beautiful, right? The beauty, the beauty of a heart that's going to the right source. Vanessa Carlton, I think, right? Like that's, that's the beauty of our speech. It's an outflow of our heart. Jesus puts it this way. He says, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these are things that defile a person, right? He's, he's speaking to, uh, he's having this teaching moment with Pharisees and disciples, and they're like, oh, you know, what you eat can defile you. He says, no, it's not what goes into your mouth. It's what comes out of your mouth. And his disciples are like, ew, gross, vomit. He's like, no, not vomit, dumb dumb. He says, it's, it's the words that you use. He's like, it, because what you say reveals where you're at. He says, it's all about this source, it's, it's a heart issue. So, where's your heart? Right? God gives us beautiful opportunities in our speech, with our words, with our actions, to reveal the state of our heart. That's why we have things like baptism. Right In like three weeks, we're going to have baptisms. Our, our like final college Sunday is, is on December 2nd, and it's all going to be about baptism. We're going to have a big old tub set up up here. We're going to do these baptisms. And, and what it is, is it's not just empty words. It's not just a chance to like come and say something different, do something different, decorate different. It's going to be Christmas. It's going to be awesome. But we are doing this because it's an outflow of our hearts. The people that are going to be baptized, and you can be one of them, right? If you want to uh, be, if you've never been baptized as a believer and that's something you want to take part of, I would encourage you to consider December 2nd. Make that your day. Send us an email. Come and talk with me or, or send us a text. We'll talk about the end of the service. But, but be a part of that because it, what it is is an outflowing of your heart. It's simply an outward representation of an inward reality. Jesus says our words have this opportunity to, to reveal where our heart is at. So, so ultimately, if we want to speak well, We need to speak from the right source. We need to look at where our heart is. That's why, you know, we need to be intentional as God's people to spend time with him, to make him our source, right? We want to make sure that our words are ultimately inspired by his word. That's the people that we want to be. So even as a ministry, we were talking about this over the summer. We said, I mean, how can we better equip and serve our people to help them be more immersed in the word of God? to find inspiration from what he says so that it would influence the way that we think and the way that we speak. That's why, and again, I mentioned this last week, but that's why we put together uh, a devotional, just a little bite-sized digestible devotional that uh, tracks with our Sunday series. This is something that I, I'm, I think we're going to be doing more consistently moving forward as a ministry. You can still join a, a small group community, a, a Bible study with us. and We would love for you to do that. Um, but we know that a lot of us have time constraints that prevent us from maybe that specific community. But, but we thought, you know, what if we could spend more time intentionally immersed in the themes and ideas that we discuss on Sundays? So that this 35-minute talk could actually carry over into the day-to-day. And so there's scripture that we read, that we deal with on Sundays. There's other scripture that we pull in. And it, it's, you can get a little reminders. It's on the Bible app. That If you have a Bible app on your phone, it's probably that one. The YouVersion app, you can find little devos, little plans, and just search for Grace College, and this one will pop up. And and it's tracking along with us. It's tracking along with these ideas of, of being different in our work and with our words and in our world. I mean, our goal is to ultimately be people transformed in the image of Christ. It's what we sang before the sermon. It's what we're going to sing about here in a minute. People who have lives that are built up on the words of Christ. And we want to speak in such a way that, that displays that, that displays hearts that are in the right place. And so what we're going to do this morning, it's a little bit different, uh, is as we begin to, as we prepare to worship, uh, we're just going to t- take a moment to pull out our phones, uh, and we're going to text people, okay? So you can pull out your phone, and some of you are like, oh yeah, uh, pull out my phone that wasn't already, oh, and that's fine, but pull out your phone, and what you're going to do is you're going to just take a moment uh, to think about it, and I would encourage you, really pray about, uh, ask the Lord, say, God, put someone on my heart right now. God, just kind of bring someone up in my context. Maybe someone I texted recently. Maybe someone I'm going to dig deep, right? I'm going to have to search for them in my context. Like, I'm going I'm to reach out to this person, and I'm simply going to encourage them. And maybe something specific. Maybe it's like, hey, thanks for, you know, picking up my towel yesterday, Rumi, or whatever. Um, maybe it's something general. Maybe it's just like, hey, mom, I love you. And she's like, "What? Ah! Like that would be so amazing." Uh, because God has given us this moment, and you know, a lot of times we take moments to pray with one another and share uh, from time to time, and that's good. But, but what what really kind of got put on my heart this morning was, let's look outside of our room, and let's think about where do our words carry. Who are the people that we could contact just in the next couple minutes, and just with a simple encouragement. And, and, you know, if you need to, like, if they're like, why did you do this? You can always be like, oh, uh, church. But, you know, like, that's, I would encourage you, just let it be a true outflowing of your heart. And just say, like, hey, I just, I really appreciate these things that you've done. Or I really appreciate who you are, the influence that you've had. Because, man, in doing so, what we're doing is we're revealing the way that God feels about them. That's the source of our words. That's the source of our encouragement. So that God looks at them and he says, I, I love this person. I love your roommate. Jesus died for your sibling. God loves your parent. And so we want to be an outflow of that attitude, of that heart. So we're going to worship in a minute, but I would encourage you to take the next few moments, send that text. And I'm going to wrap us up with prayer here in a second. Ready, set, go. God, we thank you that you have purposefully given us the relationships that we have. God, you've placed us in these jobs or these classes or these homes, these families, God, for, for a reason. And so, Lord, we ask that you would guide our steps and guide our words as we deal, uh, as we interact within those different circumstances in those contexts with those people. God, let us be a people who, who speak as you would speak. God, who love as you would love, who forgive as you forgive. Let us be people who are more like Christ, who spoke with truth and with grace. God, who spoke in such a way that that the people who saw their need for him were drawn to him in in mass. That God, the only people repelled by his words were those that simply saw themselves as above what he had to offer. So God, break us down. Let us see our need for you and what you've done. If you would take a moment now and just ask the Lord to humble you. Ask him to really put upon your heart the place where your words are simply not best, where they're simply not different. The place where you could build up instead of tear down. The person that you could encourage instead of criticize. Ask the Lord to just impress that upon your heart this morning so that you can walk out motivated by a new heart, a new source, inspired by the spirit, the fire of heaven, on your tongue ask him for that inspiration right now